Hello listener, welcome to the Switch It podcast. England's squad for their World Cup defence in India was described as Dad's army in some quarters and were already past the don't panic stage after two defeats in three left their chances of reaching the knockout on a knife edge. Things went deli belly up at the weekend as Afghanistan pulled off one of the great World Cup shocks, raising any sense that Joss Butler's side were back on track after thumping Bangladesh. England had already made a bad start in Ahmedabad and are running out of wriggle room ahead of their fourth group game against South Africa in Mumbai on Saturday. Given the ticketing situation, very few Englishmen were present for the latest debacle, but our own Matt Roller was on the ground and he joins ESPN Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller to help assess the World Cup woe. G'day chaps, good to see you both. Um, Miller, this England campaign has very much taken the it'll be all right on the night approach. Um, Fair to say they've fluffed their lines so far. Yes, yes, I think so. Uh, so let's just let's just start from the beginning with all of all of where England are at at the moment. To a degree, you have to exonerate them for having to take this approach because they've been given a situation post twenty nineteen in which they have simply not had a chance to play fifty over cricket, and so they were put in stasis. Hope that you can take that mentality that won them the tournament then carry it forward, take all the mentality giants into a new tournament, and present them in fresh circumstances, it's not working. Um, I don't know whether there was an alternative, though. I mean, you look at, you, you could argue that, you know, you look at the squad that played the Ireland series, the, you know, all the random people who were, who were thrown in and given a chance and did very well in that, in what limited chances there were. But, you know, you're talking about bowlers such as Josh Tung, say, I think has played two 50-over games since 2019. Uh, Bryden Cars, who hasn't played once in the domestic competition since 2019, and you know, do you say to guys like that, right, come on then, show us your best on the world world stage, or do you trust Chris Wokes, World Cup winner, veteran of eight years of leading the attack, to go out and do it again? Uh, England, I think, were right in the circumstances they were presented. You can blame the ECB for presenting tough circumstances. I think they're right to stick to their guns. The fact it's not working is. A worry, <laughs> but I don't know. Genuinely, don't think they had an alternative given the tools they were presented with. Well, they can still scrap their way into the into the semi finals, so we'll uh, we'll hold off the full post mortem. But um, but there's probably going to be a bit of uh, hand wringing over the next sort of forty five minutes or so. Matt, um, before the tournament, Joss Butler was was quite clear about the uh, uh, talk about the champions tag. Uh, I think he said, "We're not trying to defend anything." Have England taken that statement a bit too literally? I was dwelling on this the other day because Butler's sort of his whole thing throughout that day before uh, the first game was we're not the defending champions because I, I, Josh Butler hates the word defending and saying you know we're not, we're we're at exactly the same point as everyone else. We want to attack this World Cup. We're starting on zero points. So is everyone else. It's about winning something in its own right. Twenty nineteen is done. And I completely get where he was coming from, but it, it, the the messaging that he sort of seems to have been trying to reinforce in his team over the past five or six weeks it appears really to be falling on deaf ears because I think particularly that, that most recent defeat to Afghanistan on Sunday, it, it's not like England were bowled out in 40 overs trying to go really hard. It was England were, were bowled out in 40 overs, poking, prodding, pushing, you know, the sort of tame England batting performance that you would be used to seeing 
um, you know, in that in that terrible era of World Cup defeats between 1996 and 2015, not the England team that we've seen over the last eight years. So it's not like this is a, a sort of a, a, a car crash that has been brought about through high-speed driving. It's just been a, a complete sort of failure to even start the engine. It's just, it's been a really strange um, 10 days or so, really. I think particularly with the, the interruption of that Bangladesh game where things sort of seem to be looking back on track. Um, but yeah, Miller obviously touches there on some of the systemic issues that England may or may not have. But to be honest, I think particularly given the, the defeat to Afghanistan and Delhi, um, you know, it, it's not like Afghanistan is some kind of model as to how to, to, to run a cricket team or something like that. But this is a team that hardly doesn't play home games. They're a nomadic squad. Um, they, they do have a domestic 50 over competition, but it's not like all of the best players are constantly playing in that. Um, and I don't think that there's a huge number of things for the ECB to be learning from the Afghan board, put it that way. So I, I think that the main issues at the start of this World Cup have been, you know, it feels like the bowling attack particularly has been has been really poor. Um, I think, you know, we can talk about individuals, but it, it feels like everything is, you know, from pretty much immediately during that New Zealand game, there were, there were clear issues with the attack in terms of... Uh, it, being inconsistent, looking undercooked, being unable to hold the length that, for example, Matt Henry found in that opening game in, in Ahmedabad. Um, and, and then uh, it, it was very, very similar in, in Delhi. I think they completely misread conditions. Um, I think they, they, with hindsight, should have batted first. I think they were expecting a belter, which they didn't get. They were expecting Jew, which there was very little of until right towards the bitter end of that game. Um, and it just just feels like it's been a you know ten terrible days as far as England are concerned, which you know leaves them in this position now where they're trying to come up with some kind of siege mentality. The world is against us. We're on the brink of elimination. But to to maintain that for a, for an entire month, uh, and to probably they're probably going to have to win seven out of eight games, uh, including a semi and a final, if they're going to win the World Cup. That feels like a massive ask. Um, you know, England have obviously. I think they, you know, both both in the in the 2019 ODI World Cup and in the 2022 T20 World Cup, they found themselves in this position of needing to win four games in a row to to win the trophy. But there's a big difference between four out of four and and seven out of eight, and it, it feels like it's going to be a seriously tough ask for them to get um, to to get their name on the on the trophy again. Well, England, we know, are all about entertaining and they obviously went 2-0 down in the ashes just to try and give us one of the greatest comebacks of uh, all time. That didn't quite work, but anyway, let's let's stick with it. A, a quick recap, um, since we're at the top of the show still. Whether defending, attacking or simply going through the motions, uh, England bombed on the tournament's opening night, uh, going down by nine wickets against New Zealand, aside they'd beaten 3-1 in home conditions a few weeks earlier. Um, they hit some of the old high notes again up in Darham Charlotte for game two, David Milan becoming the oldest Englishman to score a World Cup 100, but crashed back to earth at the Feroz Shark. Kotler as uh, Afghanistan secured only their second win in 18 50 over World Cup attempts uh, so notable uh, um, day for them Miller, was this simply an old fashioned attempt by England to make the World Cup interesting as they've been doing for about the last two or three decades Well totally, I mean last, the last time we were out here in, 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 in 2011 they, they basically kept that tournament alive <laughs> by, by losing to Ireland famously losing to Bangladesh and then 
just about raising their level enough to creep over against uh, West Indies, South Africa, and of course, famous tie against India. So, you know, they, they sort of ebbed and flowed. They, their, their levels rose and fell depending on the, the quality of the opposition. And they got pumped by the teams who, who, who they should have beaten and, and, and rose against the teams they should have lost to. Are they going to need to do the same now? Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's deeply weird, isn't it? They, you know, you think of think of the traditional definition of, of insanity is you know you do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. England have almost gone the opposite way with the way they've gone about this World Cup, isn't it? And it's it's, it's in some ways it's it's kind of feels as though I mean, there's still a chance it could it could pull out the nosedive, but it feels a little bit like the 2013-14 Ashes tour, which was uh, basically England's number one Test team that had won in Australia four years earlier. Again, put in stasis, you know, you're bringing back Chris Tremlett on that occasion, older, slower, and um, not quite the cutting edge that he used to be. And Tim Bresnan, people people like that, who'd been there before, had been magnificent four years earlier and um, came apart at the seams when um, when they were put under pressure. And there is a definite danger that this is the way that England are going to go. You know, as I said at the top, I still maintain there was not an alternative other than trust who you've got. But who they've who they've trusted are not showing up, as Matt rightly puts it. The the the, the aggression, the, the 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 bombast, the 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 proactivity that they showed in their batting, and and have really shown the way in in fifty over batting over the previous cycle. The rest of the world's caught up with that, and I think England kind of assumed that they weren't unique in having trouble sort of finding time to play 50 over cricket they assumed that everyone else would be in the same boat and mm. uh, be be sort of feeling their way into the tournament and because they'd be feeling their way into 50 over cricket England would have an advantage because you know they're the champions but you know you look at the way South Africa the next opponents have gone about their business and they haven't actually been that bombastic shockingly I mean even if they even when they put 428 on the board I mean yeah. they you know they 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 were they were measured you know you got Rassi van der Dussen is 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 Joe Root, Joe Root in excelsis at the moment he doesn't he doesn't rush but he gets runs consistently anchors the innings from number three piles on through and then you've got the the guys coming through in the in the, in the middle order who really turn on the power i mean aiden markram's um 49 ball 100 was sensational but it was not it was not slogging it was not hitting the ball out of the park it was absolutely serene stroke play you know pick the right ball and and caress it through the covers time and time again england have forgotten how to do that. I mean, you know, the, the way they played Rashid Khan in particular, I mean, he, they, they pumped him for 110 from nine overs last time they faced him in a World Cup. Uh, this time around, they were they were prodding and poking on the back foot. They weren't they weren't trusting themselves to get forward and read him from the hand. They were reading him off the pitch, as Sachin Tendulkar shockingly made a very astute point on Twitter. I mean, he's, 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 finding, he's finding his voice late in his, late in his career. <laughs> but no, it's a very fair point that, you know, that because they were on the back foot, physically on the back foot to mm-hmm. to his his speedy spinners they couldn't impart the power required to to launch him and and as a consequence they died in the hole they failed to get the power play start they needed against the seamers um you know the, 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 that, that first first in-swinging delivery that thumped johnny best on the pads i mean it, you know marginal lbw on the on on drs but in real time it was he was absolutely beaten all ends up by a fast left arm swinging delivery that thumped his pads and England were in a hole from that that moment onwards and so they've they've lost that that belief that they can just fight their way back out of trouble it seems it looked it looked it looked to you know the way they prod and poke was very much reminiscent of the 
the way they died in the hole in that semi-final against um, Pakistan, famously mm -hmm. in, in Cardiff in the in the Champions Trophy. Um, you know, they didn't have the courage of their convictions to to go down go down fighting, and and that I suppose is the biggest concern. How do you turn it around when you've seen other teams, such as South Africa in particular, but obviously India have got effortless power with Rohit Sharma in prime form as well. All these teams are are showing every every inch of the the composure and power at the crease that England thought they could just tap into just by turning up and and because that hasn't happened uh, now they're um they're really floundering to to try to get back on that front foot yeah it, it, it seemed to be echoes of, of, of uh, losing to Bangladesh in Adelaide the way that that chase sort of uh, unfolded um Matt, you wrote, you at the game, you wrote about sort of um, the uh, Gerbaz balling that uh, England uh, suffered. I think Afghanistan hit eight sixes. Uh, they obviously powered off on the front foot. England hit one six, courtesy uh, of Harry Brooker, in something like the 30, 31st over of, the, of their chase. Um, I mean, we talked about the kind of general rustiness, uh, lack of familiarity with the format I suppose over over three or four years even um, the conditions as well um, England and lots been made of England's players having IPL experience but haven't played a lot of 50 over cricket um, in that part of the world recently they have, they have toured in India in between um, the world in the World Cup cycle um, and they've also been playing this format now for about six weeks solid so you'd, you'd like to think that after you know a, a pretty competitive series against New Zealand a couple of warm-up games three games into the World Cup they'd all be kind of firing by now so a, a lot of kind of intractable questions here to to um, pull apart for Matthew Mott I suppose uh, which is where I'm going with this and where does where does he uh, how does he try to lift this squad um, and uh, I mean it's a squad of World Cup winners that you would expect to be doing that for themselves but they've got to uh, they've really got to pull out a response um, this weekend or else that is the World Cup there would be no more defending champions to talk about you'd think yeah I feel like um it's probably important to remember that England probably aren't quite as bad as uh, they they have appeared to be across these first three games I think much as um they've, they've clearly underperformed they they in 2019 they did similarly at times in that group stage I think if you analyze that tournament after six or seven was it group games when they they I think they were one one four and lost three at that point having lost to Sri Lanka and Pakistan and then Australia at Lords they looked a pretty a, a bit of a rabble but it's a you know, for all the similarities in players, maybe not necessarily being a good thing, there are also some incredibly good players in there who have, for whatever reason, not quite found their form. You know, Josh Butler is a good example of that. He scored 72 runs at this World Cup in three innings. And you'd have to say that um, on balance, the probability of uh, across Butler's ODI career, where he's been incredibly consistent, particularly in the last sort of six or seven years, um, plus his, his experience in India, you would be surprised if he went through this entire group stage without having a couple of match-winning contributions from the middle order. Ditto someone like Johnny Bairstow, who's, you know, I think his top score was a, a slightly scratchy 50 against Bangladesh. Uh, obviously, it gave Rod Tucker an absolute uh, stare and a real sort of death by air after the, uh, the, the, the two oranges dismissal uh, that he had on, on Sunday night. Um, Besto feels again someone who will probably thrive on a situation where he feels like you know the world is against England and everyone's writing him and them off. Um, he he will probably come out and do okay. So I do think that there's an element of uh, England's you know 
might well just as much through anything as reversion to the mean because these are great players um, that come out and string some good performances together. But I think that the thing that, from my point of view, it feels as though Mott and Butler have to reinforce and probably did reinforce. They had a long chat in the dressing room at the, the Cotler on Sunday night. They left over an hour after the game actually ended. Um, they had a big debrief there. What I would imagine they reinforced, and this is what happened similarly in the T20 World Cup when they had a, a defeat to Ireland at the MCG, which, again, felt quite similar to what happened on Sunday night uh, in terms of England sort of going against their, their style. What happened on that occasion was Butler said, if we're going to go out of this World Cup, and we might at this rate, um, it's going to be playing the way that, that we want to play. We're not going to look back and think if only we played a few shots. So um, maybe it's a, a perfect storm for Sunday, uh, Saturday night, sorry, I should say, against South Africa at the Wankady, which was a real, um, you know, there were a lot of run fests there in the IPL earlier this year. Um, some fresh, it'll be a fresh pitch because it's the first game at the, the stadium in this tournament. So it could be absolutely ideal. Obviously, two powerful batting lineups could be a great game. Uh, and it could suit England really well because they're going to have to go hard in that game against a, a pretty good South Africa attack. So maybe that's the ideal way for them to, to get back on course. But um, yeah, it, it definitely does does feel like a, it's been a, a really poor 10 days. And I think any sort of attempt to blame conditions changing within games will probably feel like an excuse because... You know, England won that toss, and uh, if they if they read the pitch wrong, then that that's still that's still on them. It's not not anyone else's fault. Yeah, interesting. I think you already mentioned there that, that chasing might have been a mistake. They've they won one out of their last eight batting second, um, which uh, one time Miller that was the, the sort of all they ever wanted to do under under Owen Morgan. Um, I mean, we sort of touched on on the mentality. Uh, and uh, and some, some of that might just be the flick of a, a switch upstairs and um, getting things firing again. The other, the other thing you can do is is make changes to the team. You know, rotate personnel. Um, there's already a lot on on Ben Stokes' potential comeback. Um, I think um, Matt might have uh, the latest, but the, the the signs seem to be that he is edging towards um, a return. Uh, the, the big World Cup return that we've been, you know, preparing for for a couple of months now since he was um, put in that squad. Um, I mean, it would be very, uh, very England, very Stokes to have him come back in a sort of Messiah situation. Um, quite a lot of work to, to get England over the line for, from here, uh, as, he, as he did at Lords in in 2019. Um, but, the, but the key question, really, being how they rebalance the side because uh, Stokes is is a pure batter at this tournament. Um, if he were to replace the man who who has sort of taken his place due to this injury, Harry Brook, um, then that's taking out the one player who did actually perform with the bat the other night. Um, so, I mean, can you see uh, um, them moving away perhaps from the kind of dual all-rounder Wokes-Curran axis? We've talked a little bit about Wokes' struggles. Sam Curran hasn't had a, a particularly impressive tournament so far. And then relying on on part time spin in sort of uh, uh, Liam Livingston and, and Joe Root, or is or is sort of Moeen Ali back into the mix? Do you think it, like, it depends on how far it's going to fly at the Wankhede, of course, once they see the pitch? But it's so so difficult to say, isn't it? Because because there's there's just no there's no equivalent for what Stokes, on the one hand, brings, and on the other hand, does not bring by not bowling. <laughs> you know, there there is you know he his, he, and taketh away exactly his presence is feels essential to get England back on track. And, you, you know, your original question started on mentality. 
and it's so fascinating really isn't it just just looking at the the extent to which mentality has taken hold of england a through basball um obviously basball is is irrelevant when it comes to the specifics of this team but if you look at the personnel who instigated basball you know you're still talking about the the, the same core of players who bombed in that previous cycle losing one winning one game out of 17 and then suddenly flicker flicker switch and they they're, they're blazing it and again you look at this world cup team and drag it back to 2015 there are still some significant survivors from the dismal tour in 2015 when England bombed out of that world cup you've got joe root is still kingpin in the middle order ben stokes was famously missing but uh moeen ali was there Chris Wokes was there. Josh Butler was there. You know, the, the, these guys have, have been in this position before. We knew back then they were better than they were, better than they were playing. We knew when they were in the top of the world in 2019 that they were playing as well and as freely as they possibly could. And now suddenly they've reverted. And, and you know, it, it, it can only be mental because we know they're good enough. It can only be something up top, just as it was in 2015, the messaging is not getting through whatever whatever that messaging may be. It has not translated into the performances that Butler in particular has been screaming about. Attack, attack, attack. Don't die in a hole. They keep dying in a hole. So, so yes, to go back to the second part of that, Stokes has got to come back because you sense that he is the guy who just will refuse to die in a hole. I mean, he, he that's not to say he'll be gung-ho. We know what he's like when he's batting. We saw what he was like in that World Cup final in the, in, in both ones, actually, in, mm-hmm. in 50 and 20. He did not blaze it necessarily, but he just endured in a way that England clearly did not in that in that run chase against Afghanistan. Uh, but how do you balance him in? I mean, you know, Liam Livingston is a fascinating case. I mean, he bowled his 10 overs for the first time in his, in his ODI career. He bowled really well. He is an exceptional option as a sixth bowler. But his batting has been dreadful this tournament, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he 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 briefly flourished in in that home series against um against New Zealand, got a fifty, I think, didn't he? And then a, then a very important ninety five that dragged England turned the series around, frankly. But I mean, the way the way he way he tried to play against Afghanistan spinners was naive. His 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 review of a, of the one of the most plum LBWs of the competition was just a waste. Um, he doesn't look like a guy who is in the zone mentally when it comes to his batting. And yet there's such an importance placed on him as as probably the key all-rounder in many ways. I mean, we get to Wokes and Curran between them. I mean, it certainly looks like one or both have got to go because they're just not contributing what's necessary. I mean, I mentioned Bryden Cars up front as a as a guy, you know, who looks like the most Liam Plunkett-esque bowler that England, England have had since Liam Plunkett. And we, England have been asking Sam Curran to bowl in that key middle-over spell as a prototype, I mean, not, not even as a Liam Plunkett. He's not, he's not remotely a Liam Plunkett, the, and yet he's one or two differences I could. Point aren't they just? But, but England, England seem to have decided that because he's he's a guy who makes things happen, he'll do in that middle period when actually hard lengths and make it tough for people to you know play cross batted strokes with with impunity and challenge them to to try to try to keep the tempo up when 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 they're being bombed around the head. I mean, that's not. You know, Curran's got a decent bouncer, but he's he's a, he's a skiddy left armer who who if he misses his length, he gets spanked. It's a, it's not like for like, and so there's that is another area where England just again through probably through a lack of ability to prepare over the past four years, they're just not quite sure what they need mm. in that in that position. So to cut a long story short, I've no idea how they balance it. It feels as though on balance <laughs> on balance, you know, if it was a pure like for like for batting, you would bin off. 
Liam Livingston to bring in Stokes. That would reinforce the batting. It would it would make things a whole lot more linear, with a with a with a sense that everyone in that top six is guaranteed to produce at some stage. Uh, but in terms of balancing the bowling, he looked about the best option England had in in, the, in that middle period when his his turnovers were what, going for thirty three and and really putting putting the squeeze on. So. Um, I mean, good luck, Matthew Mott. I think you're, you're speaking <laughs> well, to him shortly, aren't you, Matt? So uh, uh, I look forward to seeing 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 how he how he balances all this up. Yeah, there's... yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it's a bit of a shocker in terms of the balance because obviously um, the the England brought in the extra seamer for the game and Darren Sala, and it looked a much better balanced team. Um, but then they probably got selection wrong in the last game, and that the pitch got slower and lower. It spun through the middle and, and didn't offer anything at all, really, for the seamers. With this, you know, particularly with the new ball, it just just did nothing and uh, didn't get any easier for them. But I think that that sort of gets to the the problem is that in an ideal world, England would probably have this the, a, a balance where you know if Stokes was fit to bowl, they could have him as the sort of de facto fourth seamer and then could be relying on on some spin. So then you would have Stokes plus Root plus either Livingston or Moen probably as your last bowler. And then you can react to bits of conditions on the on the day. You know, is it doing anything for the spinners? If so, then we can bowl 20 overs of spin. If it's doing nothing for the spinners, then we can bowl 40 overs of seam or um, near enough e- either way. Whereas the problem now is that whatever England do with selection is going to put a, a, a cap on... Uh, the number of overs of seam that they can bowl of either 30 or 40. And those guys are going to be your main bowlers for the whole thing. So it feels like a very difficult situation now, particularly at the Wankady where spin quite often gets absolutely pumped, uh, but can be quite effective as well in, in on certain surfaces. It feels like they're going to have to be a lot better at reading the, the pitch in this game than uh, than otherwise. I think there's still a, a, a tiny chance that Stokes doesn't feature against South Africa. I think he's uh, he, he basically he netted on the first day that England trained in India, then clearly had this lit, less hip issue. Um, he, he trained a couple of times in Darren Sala. The first time looked extremely ginger and was moving terribly, but um, it, it's sort of been, been building up and, and Butler said he was close for the Afghanistan game, which would imply that he'll probably come through training okay this week and therefore play, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel like an easy decision at all, particularly with Brooks scoring runs. Um, but that said, they're going to have to find a way to, to fit him in if he's fit because, um, you know, for all the, the cliches about big game players and, and clutch players, he's, he's absolutely the guy that you want in this scenario. And I think him, I think just having having an extra left-hander in the middle order will be a big thing as well. You know, it means that there's, there's less pressure on David Milan to bat through the innings where um you know he, that, that that's obviously his role but if it means he can go even harder at the top which he's done really well actually in this tournament he's gone pretty hard in the power play in the last couple of games if he can keep doing that and not have the sort of the fear of getting out in the middle overs because because of his value as a left-hander that'll be another massive thing so England will have to find a way to get him in somehow yeah, I mean, uh, at the moment it feels like the the all-rounders, Miller, actually, uh, England are losing out both with bat and ball, it, it, um, kind of, as we've just been talking through. Um, but one of, and some of that's to do with how much they've played this format and, and learning those roles. Big thing under Morgan was role def- definition. And, and we know that Liam Plunkett and Adil Rashid are going to tie things up to the middle and say um, Sam Curran doesn't have that same level of experience in this format. Um one thing that they, I guess, would have been banking on and, and pretty confident uh, uh, that they could rely on uh, is Chris Wokes with the new ball. That's not a role that he's having to learn um, for this tournament. He's, he's uh, 
mean, he has is, is a survivor from that 2015 World Cup, um, but has been particularly poor. Um, six overs for 45, none for 45 against New Zealand. Uh, took a couple of wickets against Bangladesh, and then none for 41 from four. Um, I mean, Afghanistan attacked Wokes and Curran to the point that neither was sort of uh, went, uh, Butler was not able to go back to them really. Um, and there aren't loads of options. We're talking about how you get in Ben Stokes, but if you want another new ball, new ball bowler, um, Gus Atkinson isn't that guy. Mark Wood is is uh, could probably do it, but you, I mean David Willey is perhaps the option, but he's then maybe the best option to replace Sam Curran as well. Indeed, bring out the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to need some donkey work, I suppose, uh, over the next uh, a couple of weeks. And, yeah. Uh, um, he. Bring some batting as well, I suppose, David Willey. But he's not—he's not quite the Messiah in, in the Ben Stokes mould. No, he's not. But I, I, he does feel like he might be—might be just someone who probably has a point or two to prove when it comes to mm. 50 over World Cups. You know, having, yeah. having missed yeah. out, missed out in 2019, it, it doesn't—it never hurts to have a bit of hunger. I mean, David Milan has, has proven mm. all of that with with the way he way he he scored that magnificent hundred in in um, against Bangladesh, and you know that's been one of the few high points of. Of England's performance, and um, you know, and and Reese Topley as well, a guy who who you know has had such a rough time of it with injuries and what have you, said he had unfinished business with with the World Cup, and um, he's been producing as well. So so far, the best that England have got have been guys who actually have not been on the stage before, which is ironic um, given everything they they'd um, planned for in in the build up. So yeah, I, I think he's got he's got to play just because. I mean, if you don't play him now, then what's what's he doing there? I mean, he's a new ball option, and England's new ball bowlers have, have been pumped. So, uh, but no, I mean, going back to Wokes, though, it's just it's really confusing. I mean, it's not it's not as though it's a, a surprise that that a guy who's been around for eight years his levels will drop off. But here's a guy who won the Compton Middle, Miller Medal in the Ashes only a few weeks ago. You know, admittedly, it's a completely different format, but it's not as if he's not been absolutely magnificent in recent memory. And you know, a guy who is a magnificent bowler in 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 red ball Test cricket on home conditions doesn't necessarily translate to a magnificent bowler in the, with a kookaburra overseas in in white ball conditions. But you know, for all the all the criticism Wokes gets for his overseas Test record, his overseas white ball record is absolutely fine. I mean, you know, I think he's got I think he's got more wickets overseas than at home in, in white ball fifty over cricket, um, probably approaching hundred, I think. But, um, that's off the top yeah, of my head. And, uh, I think the average was yeah. is around thirty. About thirty, still, that's right. So, so it's still it's, still it's slightly solid. higher, but yeah. but he's he's produced and he ought to be better than this. He is far more experienced. I mean that that weird performance the other day was you know the, the most notable thing. And, and Matt wrote about it in in his in his piece analysing his his woes was when England did exert some control against Afghanistan. Uh, the spinners had come on. Rashid obviously got the wickets. Um, Livingston was in the middle of his good spell, and it looked as though Butler was trying to smuggle Wokes back in. Saying, mm. well, "Here you go, here you go, Wokes. They've, they've got three, th- lost three for thirty-two in the last ten overs. Go and do your thing." And he got pumped. He, he got third, second ball smacked out, smacked for six, missed his length, got hit for another four, but then produced an absolute jaffa final ball. The last ball that over, he'd already gone for. I don't know, 12, 16 or whatever it was, and then hits that perfect length, leaps past the splice, does what you would expect Chris Wokes to do time and time again. It, it was it was a ball reminiscent of the spell he produced in that semi-final against uh, uh, Australia, when of course you know he finished that finished the World Cup with six wickets in the in the in the knockout. So you know he was absolutely flying into the back end of the of the tournament, having had overs under his belt and you know 
nailed down his role and all the rest of it. So, you know, in an ideal world, England would trust him to come again because, you know, he's the most experienced option they've got. And there's literally no alternative for the reasons I mentioned earlier that England just haven't had a chance to, you know, it's not as if England lack a diet of right arm medium bowlers in, in, in county cricket, but they do lack a diet of right arm medium bowlers who have been given a chance to prove time and time again that they are good enough at this level. And, you know, God knows if, if Sam Cook, say, was was given a chance to, to play 50 over cricket at a high level rather than, you know, warm a bench in the 100 and miss every every game for Essex. He's one example. Josh Tung, as mentioned, he's, he's a you know, slightly different bowler, but again, guys who can skid it through. You know, you only have to look at the the performances in the in the in the Metro Metro Bank fifty over cup this summer to know that there are guys out there who who have got the techers to to hit the seam and, and cause problems because again, you know, with so many left armers and spinners in England's lineup, a guy who is a right arm medium bowler who hits that seam is actually a point of difference. Mm. And so he should be he should have all of the ability and all of the circumstances to really thrive in the role that, that he he has made his own in recent times. But for whatever reason, it, it's gone wrong, and it had really, it's really epitomised England's lacklustre start to this tournament. He he's looked a little bit lost in, in his, in his role. And if Chris Wokes, of all people, is lost in his role, then you know it doesn't all go well for the rest of them. And, and the other thing as well is that it, it, it's not like Wokes is contributing with the bat either, because you know he, he admittedly was clearly trying to build a partnership on uh, on Sunday night with Harry Brook, but ended up with nine off twenty six balls and got completely worked over by Majib and, and looked like he had no idea which way the ball was about to spin, if if either way, and and ended up getting getting cleaned up by him. And I think this this sort of gets to the you know we were talking about selection earlier. This this gets to the the, the point ahead of. Saturday's game against South Africa is that England have, have historically over the last eight years in one day cricket been a very good batting side and not always been such a good bowling side um, whereas the problem at the moment is that they're neither a good batting side nor a good bowling side which therefore leads you to think maybe they should just go super hard and, and, and go with the extra batting option because of the fact that Curran and Wokes who are sort of meant to be the pivots of the side and balance things out from seven and eight you know have hardly scored a run between them in this tournament yes and uh, well, Miller, final word, I suppose, on on how England do try the the the, um, the pull off the great escape this time around. Um, I mean, uh, Owen Morgan's side often factored in a complete blowout, and and you know that was just part of the, <laughs> keeping the the muscles warm and, um, and and the instincts primed. Whatever happens uh, in in Mumbai and and, and you know, obviously the rest of the campaign potentially. Um, they could still lose this game, and you know, just got to be India on the home soil somewhere. Or win the what was it? Matt said seven out of eight. Well, you just got to win seven out of seven from that point. But um, <laughs> um, is it imperative really that if they if they're going to go down, they go down blazing? And it and you know it is. Uh, we see some evidence of that. Uh, the the mindset that has taken us from 2015 to here, which is uh, uh, the sort of domineering form with the bat, wh- whether it's successful or not. I mean, it's it's their safe place, isn't it? I mean, you know, running into the danger is their safe safe space. So they've got to do that. If they if they if they try to shut up shop, I mean, as Matt says, they haven't got the bowlers to to defend two hundred two fifty. So they've got to go hard, and and you know they they can they still can they can still pull it off. I mean, in terms of the permutations, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, you know, it, it probably helps that Australia have had a shocking start as well, because 
you sense that they found they found a little bit of themselves in their last last victory over Sri Lanka, who look as though they're probably now going to start to lose to everyone. So, you know, there's a there's a there's a likelihood that Australia will probably try to rise up the table, and in so doing, they might take some wins off the teams that are currently unbeaten. You know. New Zealand and and even India. I mean, probably not India to be perfectly honest, but uh, South Africa. Uh, you know, South Africa. Sorry, they've they've already lost to South Africa, but um, they've got South Africa have probably got Pakistan are in the Pakistan mix. are in the mix. South Africa have probably got a defeat in them somewhere, maybe against England. But you know, there, there are there are teams that are going to lose in that top four maybe already. Against Netherlands today in a rain shortened contest. Well, indeed, we, 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 we... <laughs> so it feels as though because it's not just England for a change who are who are floundering and trying to make up make up early losses. Uh, it feels as though there it may be you know four wins might four wins. Uh, Sorry, four losses might be sufficient to scrape into the into the into the top four at this stage. Last time, I think England needed, you know, couldn't have lost another one, and they lost three. Just because you sense Australia will probably find a way to to just get back in the mix, even not even if they don't get back into the top four, I suspect they'll they'll probably land some blows elsewhere, which in turn will help cascade that table up and down. And as you mentioned, Pakistan, Pakistan, they they are permanently chaotic. They will probably get into the into the knockouts now, but do it even more haphazardly than England. So I don't know. It, it, I you know it, it does. As I said in the last pod, the fact that one shock causes ripples up and down the table means that the, the, I think there's a long way to go yet before we can lock in any. Any certainty is probably beyond India. I think they, they look absolutely nailed on for top of the table and, 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 and frankly, the tournament at this rate. Well, uh, that has been the sort of the destiny uh, manifest, but um, we're still all to play out. Um, sadly, the sort of the, the World Cup nostalgia around England uh, uh, being the old England has meant we haven't been properly able to enjoy Australia's dwindling World Cup supremacy. Miller, you did uh, predict this on, on previous uh, uh, previous pod, I think. So um, kudos for that. They were heavily beaten in, in their uh, opening two games before muscling past Sri Lanka. Um, New Zealand have, have won three from three so far, just like India. South Africa, uh, I can exclusively live report uh, are doing quite well or rather Netherlands are struggling uh, 27 for 2 after 8.4 overs uh, presumably a little bit nibbly um, with the rain around up in Durham, uh, Charla um, Matt uh, what, what, what's your uh, what's been your highlight so far in terms of uh, I mean England have, have pulled out the bag with shock of the tournament but um, uh, has been has been sort of uh, pretty competitive in in the reaches below uh, New Zealand and India bossing it um, yeah I, I think it's been a bit of a, a quiet World Cup to be honest so far I think Sunday night was a, a great result for the competition as a whole because um, I, I think uh, it, it would have got pretty pretty dull pretty quickly if we'd had a sort of breakaway of the top six teams uh, followed by um, you know Netherlands Afghanistan Sri Lanka and, and uh, Bangladesh all, all struggling so um, I, I don't think it's been a great tournament and I think it has probably highlighted some of the reasons that um, 50 over cricket has, has dwindled and has is a sort of slightly diminished format I think um, there have been a lot of fairly one-sided games um, and I think conditions have played a big part as well which isn't always 
uh, something that you want you necessarily want to happen. You ideally would have some kind of uniformity across the innings and and uh, not feel like the toss is a big uh, thing one way or the other. Whereas it has, you know, it, in some games it feels like it's been a big toss where you you're desperate to bat first and some way you're desperate to bowl first because of due. So yeah, my my overall sort of feeling is that it's been a, a strange start to the competition and I think uh the crowds haven't necessarily helped that but I think that's that game on Sunday was a, a massive shot in the arm not least with I think about 25,000 uh fans at that game in Delhi and, and a really good atmosphere so um I, f- I feel like the the, the the a world cup can kind of you know a, a group stage can be relatively dull and be saved by a handful of good games a close race for qualification and uh, and, a, and an exciting knockout stage, as we're probably seeing with the Rugby Union World Cup at the moment. Um, but as yet, I feel like it's not been a, a, a particularly vintage tournament. Um, and I think the you know the empty seats that we've seen have have probably reflected the the general mood around fifty over cricket. Yeah, I'm not sure that's to do with interest, lack of interest or otherwise, or just an inability to uh, navigate the BCCI's uh, Byzantine ticket purchasing system, which <laughs> seems to have games both sold out and, and sort of largely empty at the same time. I mean, we, we have seen, I, mean, I think you, Miller, predicted some um, high-scoring affairs before, uh, before the tournament started. We've seen a world record uh, total, a World Cup record total, uh, South Africa uh, scoring 428 against um, Sri Lanka. We, we saw um, Ireland's, uh, two of Ireland's World Cup records obliterated. Kevin O'Brien's 50 ball 100. Um, Aidan Markham got there one ball quicker in that uh, Sri Lanka game. Uh, Mohamed Rizwan anchored a record World Cup chase, so therefore knocking Bengaluru 2011 off the top. Um, but yes, as sort of as Matt says, the usual suspects are kind of in the top half of the table, India, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, England. Um, it's Australia making things interesting uh, down, the, down at the bottom reaches, uh, although they're on the same points as England with uh, two points, two from three games. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of relying on that uh, bun fight around fourth spot, maybe, uh, for the for the semi-finals, um, and, and that, that should sustain interest for the next couple of weeks. And then, obviously... The, the the knockouts and and, and you know a classic uh, semi and final will, will always redeem a, a tournament but there, there are there are sort of teething issues around it clearly yes uh, I don't know it, it's been it's been deeply underwhelming as a spectacle to be perfectly <laughs> honest I mean you know I I, I don't know uh, obviously Matt as as boots on the ground will have a have a better a better idea of how it's been to 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 be within the stadium but you know as a TV spectacle. You know, just seeing such acres of empty seats is just deeply depressing. And uh, you know, it, you know, I kind of, I kind of, you know, you relate back to everything that was talked about going into this World Cup. How this is this is the last stand of of international cricket. You know, everyone accepts that bilateral cricket is 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 dead in the water. And you know, you had Mark Nicholas, MCC president, making the making the case for you know fifty over cricket being played exclusively at World Cups. And I I think there's a lot of lot of lot of sense in that. I think it, I think it does feel like a a special treat or should be a special treat every four years to you know get these guys who've been blazing it in in 20 over cricket to extend their their excellence over 50 over cricket so you see what they can do with a with a with a bigger canvas i mean why, why not it, it sounds like a sounds like a, a sensible way to go but just the way it's been organized you know it's, it's not just the crowds it's it's the absence of crowds on the one hand the the, the almost um 
messianic crowd at Ahmedabad for, for the India-Pakistan game when, you know, a sea of blues all very well. But, you know, it's meant to be, a, as Mickey Arthur put it, it, it's meant to be an ICC event, not a BCCI event. It, it, it felt like a political rally rather than a, rather than a sporting event. And that, that, that's that's the that's the wider concern. It just feels like it's not being very well stewarded. If this is the, if this is the last stand of international cricket's relevance, um, I don't think it's been given much of a leg up. You know, it, it's it almost feels as though India as hosts have decided that you know what, if there's a one in ten chance of India winning this tournament, which means there's a nine in ten chance that someone other than India wins. I think we'd rather bank on the IPL when there's a you know every single time the IPL is played India will win by definition it, it just it, it just feels like there's 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 such a such an obsession with with you know just making it an event I mean it, it yeah it just feel, feels as though there's not been enough heft put behind the occasion of international cricket on the and on this tournament so far and you know it may change we've got we've got a long way to go yet and as you mentioned the knockouts could could be humdingers but I'm not. I'm not holding my breath at the moment. I just don't feel very inspired that um, that the hosts care enough about the the, the tournament they're, they're they're hosting. This is a BCCI CC event. That's the mistake that Mickey Arthur made. Um, I, I think they care about winning it, but yes, beyond that, um, it seems as if awnings awnings fall off stadiums with uh, not many people in the stands uh, for them to hit. Then. It's, <laughs> counts as a good thing um uh talking about you know cricket expanding beyond its uh, sort of uh, the colonial village i suppose and uh, uh whether it just always relies on india and and the, the um uh the force of the market i mean cricket at the olympics that this week has this has been rubber stamped uh, i mean it's 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 happening not just yet but uh uh there's been this long sort of um dance between the IOC and the ICC about uh, whether uh, to get uh, you know cricket on board whether cricket wants to come on board um, the, I think one time the BCCI were quite against that and probably the other sort of the big three uh, the, the bigger nations that didn't feel they needed it um, but everyone's come around um, and yes it, we, we have uh, the confirmation that it will be there at uh, LA Games in 2028 I mean it's seen and, and we kind of uh, we've kind of the reporting around it and probably uh, the, just superficially looking at it you think that's a great thing for the game it's a chance to globalize it it's money that goes into through you know goes out through olympic federations and so on um i think it's only gonna be six teams at the actual event and, and a bit like we saw the commonwealth games that's quite a i mean it, it's still quite a closed shop but it it's worth the experiment i suppose uh, it's 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 potentially a new route for cricket to to expand its footprint and and um yeah, prove itself as the second most watched game uh, in the world, as it likes to say. Yeah, well, I mean that 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 point is probably the reason it's happening. Uh, mm. You know, you know, I I, I want to don't want to sound deeply cynical about it, but let, let's face it, it it is all deeply cynical. I mean, you know, the, the 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 time for cricket to enter the Olympics was ten years ago, in my opinion, when it was just clear that the international game needed needed a stimulus essentially you know needed a boost needed needed a new new injection of of relevance and this was you know talking 10 years ago when you know the the associates were still more or less invited to to the main events and so you know you you would imagine that teams like Ireland who were just starting out their journey as as, as test nations and, and Netherlands who were obviously here but you know other other teams who are who have tried really hard to keep up but have probably just 
beginning to accept we oh, there's no chance we can keep up here. They would have really benefited from cricket at the Olympics back then. It feels as though right now, you know, as you mentioned, the the, the eyeballs is the key thing. The, the IOC basically covered the eyeballs that South Asia can provide to what's, you know, they're a corporation fundamentally, and corporations rely on year-on-year -year growth. And the best means of the IOC ensuring they remain the biggest biggest gate stage in the, in, in, in the world, world of sport is to capture the South Asian market. And they're not going to do that just by being the Olympics as they are, because, you know, India have won two golds since 1980. I think uh, uh, Bangladesh, I think, are the most populous country in the world, never to have won a single medal. Um, Pakistan, I think, have won one since 1984, possibly the hockey. Uh, you know, Niraj Chopra uh, is, is a fine javelin thrower, and he he's probably a good bet for gold medals for, for, for the next next Olympics, but he alone is not going to bring in the eyeballs from South Asia. They needed something bigger. And it sounds as though, you know, just, just the mere fact that, he, that um, the Olympics is now are going to host cricket means that the 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 value of those rights in asia have, have increased tenfold overnight from about 15 15 million to 150 million plus and it just feels as though it's just come a bit too late for it to really really change the game i mean you know as you mentioned the government funding and and the popular ability to turn on turn on the olympics and accidentally hit upon cricket if you if you're some randomer in some country doesn't play it is great but you know it's not as though What's that? What's that guy? The Romanian guy, um, Pavel Florin, yeah. say it's not as though Pavel Florin is suddenly going to find find his people in Romania and and you know rise up and win a win an Olympic gold on the back of a bit of bit of popular appeal and government funding. I I genuinely think that 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 moment has passed. It, it feels a bit a bit more like um, a bit more like basketball's status in in Olympic sport. You know, in 1992. The, the US finally allowed professional players to play in, in their basketball team. And the dream team, Michael Jordan and co, won gold and created such a buzz around the fact that the best players in the world were playing in the Olympics. But I think you've seen, you know, you haven't exactly seen anyone challenging the USA as the best basketball nation in the world, but you probably have seen more players from other, other countries in the world playing in the NBA. I think there are about, I was looking into it the other day, I think there are about 120 overseas players now playing in the NBA from six continents. You know, it, it has clearly had a ripple effect that has tapped into something that probably comes from, you know, the, it's not the, not the ultimate peak in itself, the Olympics, but it does give you a, a better view of the distant peak elsewhere. And that's probably where we're looking at. Good news for the IPL. Good news office. for the IPL is fundamentally <laughs> what I'm saying. And also also Major League Cricket, because let's, let's not forget we've got the, the, the World yeah. Cup in, in the USA next summer and then leading into Major League Cricket's second season. And then you've got the LA Olympics four years later. I mean, that feels like a real opportunity to, to crack the North American market as well as obviously the, 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 um, the Asian market further down the line when, you know, who knows, India might now be bidding for 2036 Olympics hosted at Ahmedabad. <laughs> Uh, all and, of it and all, all in the all, modium. All in the modium, exactly. So this is the this is probably the direction the game is headed, rather than than a real opportunity to break out into brand new markets that are going to transform the the footprint of the of the international game. Such a cynical view. Sorry. I wasn't expecting to find here, Matt. How excited are you by the thought of Ben Stokes captaining Team GB in the defence of the uh, title they won at the uh, 1900 Olympics, uh, a mere century on? 
Oh, he's struggling enough with his body in 2023. I think we can probably write him off for uh, 2028. Um, it, he was I, mentioned, I wasn't he, by one of the organisers as the perfect, the perfect man to captain them. Yeah, I, I, I sort of reluctantly agree with Miller's um, pretty cynical views about cricket at the Olympics. I think you know we 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 had the um, the president of the organising committee in Los Angeles. I think he's called Niccolo Cap- Campriani um, talking about the sort of. Uh, I don't think he, he claimed that there was a direct role in it, but he basically said that there's some level of Virat Kohli factor and looking at his Instagram followers and saying this is a perfect opportunity to create a bit of digital buzz around the games, which um, doesn't necessarily feel like how, how we should decide what is. That is the uh, Olympian sport, spirit, I think. <laughs> higher, faster, yeah. stronger, more Instagram followers. Uh, <laughs> the, the famous hey, motto. And, and yeah, um... Narendra Modi is, is confirmed in the last couple of days as well about 2036. I think that that's a that's a, a, a publicly stated and confirmed ambition of India's to to bring the games here and and clearly um, you know this feels like um, it's going to clear the way for that to potentially happen. But um, I I do personally think that the, the, the funding side of things is, is significant just in that even though it will only be six teams um, actually playing in the event itself, the opportunity to potentially unlock more government funding um for a, a number of nations but you know for example um it, it, you know the, one of the one of the sort of gold standards people always mentioned was china a few years ago as, as a potential you know if, if china can get some investment in cricket it could transform the sport completely um even some smaller nations as well like if if nepal can get a bit more funding than they currently access from um the icc we obviously i think it's pretty pretty well established that the icc's revenue sharing model is uh, is not anywhere near as helpful as it should be for associates, and, and this could be a, a, a massive thing in terms of um, changing their, their revenues and, and getting them able to invest in, in infrastructure and invest in the game a lot more than they currently do. Um, but yeah, that said, it does does feel um, like you know it, it feels like a strange thing that probably should have happened years ago. If you think about the list of sports that will be played at twenty twenty four, it seems strange that cricket isn't already among there, given its um its status and its popularity around the world and particularly in south asia but um yeah i i think uh in terms of the tournament itself i'm, I'm sure players will get up for it but um it, it feels like uh it feels like an olympic medal will probably be behind the t20 world cup at this stage maybe it'll be the equivalent of a sort of champions trophy or something like that but um yeah i suppose we've got we've got a, a good five years to preview those games yet <laughs> it's it's no IPL winner's medal, that's uh, for sure. Um, okay, our World Cup runneth over. Time to go make another offering at our Ben Stokes altar and hope for miracles. Um, it's Bombay or the highway for England who are next in action on Saturday. We'll be back to see if they can resurrect their campaign. Until then, my thanks to you, Miller and Matt, and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. 